uh, about a man who ha hadn't gone to church for a long time, <coughs> quite a few years, and there's quite a few people in that boat at the moment. Post-COVID, a lot of people just didn't go back to church. And uh, I believe that, you know, we need to pray for those folks and we need to provide a home for them. Many of them are hurt. Uh, many of them are struggling. And uh, God's got plans for their lives. Listen to this story. This, this guy hadn't gone to church for a few years. He'd suddenly stopped attending. After a while, his pastor dropped in one evening unannounced. The man answered the door and invited him in. And of course, he knew why the pastor was there. He hadn't been to church in a while. So they went and they sat in, front of two, sat in, in two chairs in front of a roaring fire. How many of you like a roaring fire? That's why we call ourselves Ignite. I like fires. Um, it's a brave thing if you live in a hundred-year-old wooden building, but never mind. That's, you know, we're moving out. Um, so they went and sat in these two chairs in front of a roaring fire. Neither man said anything. Now, after a few minutes, the pastor picked up some fire tongs and he took one of the logs out of the fire and he put it on the hearth. And the flames died down and flickered a few times. Then they went out. Then it began to smoke. They watched in silence. And as the logs started to grow cold, after a while, the pastor picked it up again with the fire tongs and put, it back, put the smoldering log back in the fire and it burst into flames immediately. And the pastor got up and said, well... I need to go now, but I've enjoyed our visit. And the man rose too. He said, I appreciate your message, Pastor. I'll be in church on Sunday. <laughs> That's a good story, isn't it? Because it's, it's like that. You see, we are better together. Now, I know we're not perfect. You know I'm not perfect. But we're better together. We're better, you know, we are far better served being together with our imperfections and who we are because when we're separated from other Christians, our effectiveness for the kingdom of God invariably grows cold. You don't mean it to, it just invariably does. We are better together. That's why we have church in the first place. We are never going to agree on anything. How many of you know that? But that doesn't mean we can't still be in unity. You may not see eye to eye, but we can walk hand in hand. You know, I, as an illustration of this, I always think of my wife and I. We don't agree on lots of things. We're very, very different. We order a pizza, it's half meat lovers, half vegetarian. We are incompatible on so many levels, but we're compatible on one level, which is Jesus Christ, and that trumps everything. That's over everything. We don't have to agree to still be in unity. We all here in this place have different doctrines, different things we hold dear, different tastes and preferences, but real life-changing Holy Spirit-led power comes to our church when we lay our own agenda aside and pull together in unity. It really does. When we stand together as one, there is an incredible power. And, and this is true right throughout humanity. Do you remember... Back in the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel, what did God say? He said, I'm going to confuse their voices because if they stay together, there is nothing that's impossible for them. There is incredible power for good or for ill when we pull together. You look at some of the great uh, tyrannical regimes like Nazi Germany and communist Russia. And stuff, they all pulled together. It was for evil, but they still created incredible power and incredible momentum. But we in the kingdom of God, we can create that as well if we stand together in unity. Is that true? Now, this time we are experiencing incredible blessing. If you're new here, if you're a visitor here, God's done some amazing things in the last several weeks here in this place. God gave $700,000 to Lily House to buy all of this church building and property. That is going to set Lily House up for the next 
I don't know, what do you reckon, decade or two, maybe, for, forever? And, and a single donation for $700,000 came in to help Lily House to buy this property. Now, because they bought this property, we are able to go and we put a contract on a property in downtown Nambour that's worth, I reckon, more than one and a half million. We're getting it for just a tad over a million. God's performing miracles here. Don't you reckon? I reckon it's amazing. And we get to share in it. You and I get to share in this. As, as the church is about to move to Nambour, I want to encourage you in this message to stick together because we're better together. We have tremendous unity here at Ignite, which is the miracle, which is a miracle in itself. When you think of all our different backgrounds, it's a miracle that we have unity, isn't it? I mean, everybody believes something different about something. And, and I would say to you, if you've got a, a scriptural reason and you can argue from scripture about something, put the unity verses first before we put the other ones in. Because there are many, many verses in the Bible about the power of unity. We'll get to those in a moment. And even, you know, it's, it's part of a family. How many of you know that families don't always work for you? Families, you know, like there's always a weird uncle or a sort of a dodgy cousin or something. You know, the families are, they're sometimes hard work, are they not? But there's something incredible. When you get together as family and you're in unity, there's something incredible, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. Uh, I just think of Lily House too. How when we get together in, in that home, in that environment, people are built up. You know why? Because it is better to walk the road that you guys are walking with others than it is to walk alone. Who wants to be alone facing all of that stuff? Isn't it better to do it with others who love you and walk with you? And that's the same for church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 3 says this. Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. That's always hard. And eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, to maintain unity. See, we need to recognize what unity actually is. Unity is not agreeing with each other. It's not uniformity. Unity is agreeing to disagree agreeably. You can disagree, but you can still be in unity. And unity is not uniformity. There can be union without having unity. If I tie two cats' tails together and drop them over a clothesline, they've got union, but they haven't got unity. <laughs> when we put all of our passionate opinions and, that, and our agendas aside, we can stay in unity. And that's the most important thing here at Ignite. It really is. There is a blessing in unity and there is power in unity. We may feel small and insignificant. You may look at yourself and say, I can't do anything important for God. But hey, I'm telling you that God has a plan for your life. And the plan is wrapped up. We're in this together. I'm, I always rejoice that, that I'm able to do church with people I actually like. I actually like you all. Um, you know, but I think it's great that we can do it together. Think about it. A snowflake is one of the most fragile things on earth. But when you put a bunch of them together, you can get an avalanche. The power is in unity when they stick together. A.W. Tozer likens unity to 100 pianos. He says this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to one another? They are of one accord, not by being tuned to each other, but by being tuned to another standard to which each, each one must individually bow. 
And if our standard is Jesus Christ and we are all attuned to him, we will be in unity. This stuff won't be important anymore because what will be important is that we are tuned into him. So today I want to just briefly look at some ways. Then we're going to roll into kind of a, an offering and an information um, uh, time about a new building and stuff like that. But I, I, today I want to look at ways that we can move ahead in unity together because I believe we are better together. Don't you? Good. Here's some ways we can move ahead together. First of all, we can walk together. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? This is a rhetorical question because two people who are feuding very rarely walk together at all. Right? They just kind of, they either sit there quietly fuming and smoldering or they just don't, don't get together at all. And as we face the future, as you consider what significant, extraordinary thing God wants you to do with your life, I'd encourage you to walk together with us. Let's agree to put any differences, pet doctrines, opinions and stuff aside and walk together into downtown Nambour. Are you with me? Because we can walk together. We can walk together right into the heart, into the center of our community. We could stay here. It would be comfortable. But we are better to walk together to where God has our destiny. He has a destiny for us there in the heart of our community. The second thing is to talk together. Now, I grew up in a, in a country Baptist church, in a country town, and one of the, the, the key things about this church was our church secretary had a feud with another guy in church, and they hadn't spoken to each other for a decade. They went to church every week and never said a word to each other for a decade. Can you believe? That's sad, isn't it? It's tragic. Can I tell you, that church never grew. All the years I was there, it never grew. And I kept saying, well, God, why doesn't this church grow? And it's because you've got disunity at the heart of what is going on. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Everybody say agree. Incredible, isn't it? What a word. That all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. See, I'm encouraging you to speak words of love and encouragement to one another. You don't have to agree with each other, but you do have to love and to be in unity with each other. It's so easy to criticize. I used to think criticism was my spiritual gift. I thought, well, I'm anointed. I can criticize anybody, you know, but it's not true criticism is not a spiritual gift okay love is a spiritual gift loving one another bearing with one another that's a beautiful thing to have jesus said this in mark chapter 3 if a house divided if a house is divided against itself that house will not be able to stand so folks we need to guard our words we need to tame our tongues bridle our tongues and guard our words don't we because this thing is an offensive weapon this tongue, everybody stick your tongue out. Come, this is for the camera. Come on, do it. Stick your tongue out and grab it. Can you do that? Come on. That's what you need to do. Stick your tongue out and grab it. Because so often our tongue destroys people around us. How many of you have been in relationships with, with partners or, or with you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, with other people in church, with people at work, where someone has spoken words and they have cut you to pieces? Has that ever happened to you? It's an offensive weapon here. James says, how can the same tongue that, that speaks life and praises God, how can that same tongue be used to destroy someone else? It can, and it often happens. And I want to encourage you, 
Ephesians uh, 4, 29, Paul says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building others up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Use your tongue to build people up. So as we move ahead, I urge you not to clam up in silence. If, if you've got a problem with someone, even me, you need to talk about it, right? Don't clam up and say nothing, because that's an offensive weapon too. Don't climb up in silence, but keep talking to one another, but make sure your words bring life and not death. Tell one another that you love them in the Lord and let your words and let your action prove it. The third thing we can do together as we move ahead is to work together. I already have people in this church buzzing about all the ministries they want to start when we move into Nambour. Street ministry and men's ministry, ladies' missions. The prospect of working together for the Lord is exciting. Do you think that's exciting? There is work to be done. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to say, well, I'll just come along and cruise because there's lots of stuff to be done. But what a joy to be able to do something for God. What a joy to be able to do something together for the Lord. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. That means their work, their travail. For if they fall, one will lift his fellow up. But woe to him who is alone. When he, falls, he has not, when, he, when he falls, he does not have another to lift him up. You see, when we're together, we can lift one another up. And when we start working together and walking together and talking together, if anything, if anyone stumbles, we can help one another up. That's why it's good to be doing things together, isn't it? If you're by yourself, you fall and that's the end of it. I remember hearing a story from a, a guy called uh, Saju Sunda Singh. He's an Indian Christian uh, and he's a mystic. But he talked about a journey he went on in the snow right up in the Himalayas. And he was in the snow. He was traveling with a, with a few people. And he, re he realized that they weren't going to make it. They were trapped in a blizzard. It was a terrifying event. And so what he did, he said, let's gather together and just stay together and hug one another. So they hunkered down and they hugged one another. But one guy said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to make it up here. And he moved on ahead. Well, when the, the blizzard finished and they moved ahead, they found the body of that guy who went ahead because he was by himself. The, the, the real power to survive that blizzard was when they put their body heat together. And that's what helped them to survive the cold. So as we work together and work needs to be done, we can help one another up and thrive in our respective ministries and work together to impact our community. Now, as your pastor, I believe my role is to train, equip, and empower you. Last I saw, I don't have every gift there is. Don't look surprised. Pastors, they don't have everything. My, my job is not to do everything. My job is to empower you all to do everything. And I want to, you know, if there's something burning in your heart, if there's something, gifts that you have, I want you, I've just met uh, with a couple of folks this week who have this, this gift, this, this desire burning within them to minister. And my job is to make that happen because I believe that we are better together. Romans 12 verse 4 to 5 says, As one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. Guess what? We're not all the same. Many of you are better looking than me. Some of you are taller. Some of you are more gifted than me. We are not the same. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually uh, one of another. So we're, we're members one of another. We are all on the same team. 
we're pulling together but we all have different roles so some of you sit here with dreams of ministry in your heart maybe it's a ministry that's never happened maybe you've said man I would love to do such and such for the Lord maybe that dream is burning in you maybe you are ministering somewhere else and it all fell apart and you were hurt and you walked away well I believe my role and my job is to restore that and to let God be God and and lead you into whatever it is you want to do for him if you have something burning in your heart please tell me about it because my desire is to try and facilitate that and make it happen the fourth thing we can do together is to give together and you think oh no here comes the offering no it's coming later don't worry fear not but we are about to receive an offering towards our new building and let me be honest when we are in our new building the numbers are looking really good we are going to have financially we're going to be in a very strong position but the transition in is going to be a bit awkward so I believe it's a great opportunity for us to give to make this happen don't you look at that five people said yes (laughs) because God can do amazing things amazing things and uh, I want you to be a part of it I want to be a part of it you know, we've got a bit of renovating and stuff to do. And it might be a stretch at the start, but I tell you, I, you know, when I read my Bible, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, isn't he? He is able to go, whatever you think. You, that word exceedingly abundantly is really interesting in the Greek. I was studying it the other day. It's not just abundance. It's not just more than abundance. It's more than more than abundance. It's like off the scale beyond what we can hope or imagine. So I'm going to give as much as I can when we have our offering because I believe in what God is doing here at Ignite. And I've no doubt that God will bless us and will provide for us. But I'd love you to join with us in that journey. It's a great journey. I don't want you to give because you think we need it. I want you to give because you want to be part of something big that God is doing in our community. Do you want to be a part of something big? I do. I'd love to be a part of, I would love to look back in years to come and say, you know what? I was part of what God did when that church moved in there and, the, and the, the, you know, exploded and started serving the Lord in that way. I want to sow in a place where things grow. I'm not much of a gardener, Betty says amen. I'm not much of a gardener. But I have, I have this, this kind of veggie patch and um, I don't take care of it very much. But somehow I got a pumpkin plant planted in there and it's taken over everything I'm now eating fresh pumpkin lots of it and it's it's overrun the sides it's running across the this thing's out of control I don't know what's in that soil but I want to be part of that because there's life there and I think it's good soil to sow into. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 to 7 says this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Are you a cheerful giver? I try and be a cheerful giver. Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I suppose I've to give. But I want to be a cheerful giver. See, giving is a special privilege. It's, it's a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. And I think it's incredibly awesome what God is doing. And I want to look back in years to come and know that I was part of that. 
And I want to give you the opportunity to be part of that. And don't forget God's challenge. If you've ever read the book of Malachi, it's an interesting challenge here. It talks about tithing and giving. It says this in Malachi. It says, God says this, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. God challenges us. He says, put me to the test. You check me out. You step out and give and watch what I will do. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I would see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour down upon you blessing until there is no more need. Well, I've taken that challenge and I can tell you that God doesn't let me down. I'm not saying give to get. Please don't get me confused with those, you know, television guys. I'm not saying that if you've got a need, you need to give to me now and then God will give you a hundredfold back. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying call my 1-800 number and give stuff. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, if I have a generous spirit, God takes care of me. That's what I'm saying. I, I can't explain it. But I, the, you know, the more generous I am, the more the Lord takes care of me. And I just believe that God, you can't outgive God. And I want to trust him without giving. If I give generously, no matter what the amount is. And remember, Jesus didn't delight in the rich man. He delighted in the widow's might. You remember that? A rich man gives a ton of money. Jesus doesn't bat an eyelid. He looks at the widow and he says, she gave out of her desperate needs, she gave. Because she gave something that hurt. Whereas the rich man went, oh, here's a few, you know, thousand dollars. He didn't care. So God looks at the heart that is behind giving. And he notes it. I believe that if, if we give with the right spirit, he notes it and he honors it. And you cannot outgive God. So in a moment or two, we're going to have an offering and uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity to join us. Fiona and I have already decided that we're not going to give a comfortable amount. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to give, but we are going to give a stretching amount because I believe that that's a good thing to do. And I want to encourage you to do the same if you are able. 2 Samuel 24, 24 is really interesting. David gets offered a free piece of land and he says this, no, I will buy it from you at a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. And when I look at that, I say, you know, I want to be the guy who stretches and gives because I believe that the Lord will have my back. I believe that as I move forward and I give generously from my spirit with, with a cheerful heart, that God is going to work miracles in my life. And I believe this is good soil in which to give. The fifth area is we can serve one another. Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus came to earth to serve. Did you know that? He came to earth to, to serve. That's why he washed the disciples' feet. He was a servant. And I believe that it's one of the great joys we will share together in the coming weeks, months, and years is the ability to serve the Lord and to serve one another and to serve our community. Ephesians 4.16 From whom the whole body joined and held together at every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. As we serve one another, our church, our body, our witness to the community will be built up if we have that serving attitude. And I'm hoping and praying that you are getting excited. Are you getting excited? I hope you are. If you're new here, get excited too. Come on. We love it. Come join us. We can serve together and live extraordinary lives. I spoke last week about leading lives of significance.
And we can do that together. I believe God is opening incredible opportunities for us. And we have to walk together into it. You see, unity is the glue that holds us together. That's what it is. You know, it's what keeps us together. If you've got a Bible, Psalm 133 is a beautiful, it's only three, three verses. But it's the one we always, always turn to in unity. It says this, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord bestows or commands the blessing, even life forevermore. You see, unity is the glue that holds the church together. It's the glue that holds blessing and anointing of God together. If we truly want revival, If we truly want to see the Spirit of God poured out in our lives, our families, our church, our nation, we need to put opinions and preferences aside and be in unity in love. And it says it's it's not just pleasant when we have unity. I I used to think if you're in unity, then at least you've got a bit of peace and no one's nagging you all the time. That's probably true, but that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, that there the Lord commands a blessing. Now that word command in the Hebrew is the word sawa, which means to give orders, to command, but it also means to charge. As in, you know, as in charge across the battlefield. That's what it means. It's a military term. So when it says unity brings, you know, there the Lord commands a blessing, what it means is that if we're in unity, it's like we're charging across no man's land, ready to take whatever that is in victory. That's what it means. And when we're in unity, (coughs) like we are here at Ignite, the blessing of the Lord just flows. And I love the bit where it flows. I didn't understand all the stuff about it flowing down Aaron's beard and out to the tip of his garments, but it's happening already because of what the Lord is doing here. It's flowing through to Lily House. It's flowing through Phil got a job breaker. It's going to flow everywhere because it's the Spirit of God. And so if you, if you are struggling in your life, I can tell you, I believe there's a blessing in this place right now. I really do. Because I just think it's, it, when we're in unity, the, the oil of the Spirit just flows through us. Jesus, in his last few hours on earth, before he faced his crucifixion, now think about it. If you're about to die, if you're about to be executed, what would you do? If you had just a few hours before you were going to be arrested and executed and you knew it was coming, you wouldn't play cards. What would you do? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you contact people you love? Wouldn't you want to do something significant? In your last few hours on earth, wouldn't you want to do something that was really significant? To leave the place with a bang? To use your last few hours for something that really was important? Well, what did Jesus do in the last few hours before his crucifixion, before he was executed? We see it in John 17. You know what he did? He prayed for us. He could have done anything to maximize those hours, to, but he prayed for us. John 17, 22. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, which is us, folks, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, you and me, and that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you sent me, sent me and loved them, even as you love me. What Jesus is saying is, Father, as we are one, I want all of my people to be one. That was the last thing he did on earth. That's why we're better together. That's why there's power when we're together. 
You know, he didn't pray for certain spiritual gifts. He didn't pray for certain styles of worship or preaching. He didn't pray for denominations. He didn't even pray for smoke machines or laser lights or tele-evangelists. He prayed for unity in the church. Why? Because he desires for us that we charge headlong into his power and blessing. He prayed for unity because we are better together. Mother Teresa said this, I can do things you cannot, you can do things I cannot, but together we can do great things. Together we can do great things. Together in unity, Ignite Church can do awesome things for God. We can see revival, we can see salvation, we can see incredible, amazing things happening. We can see victory over this dark world and we can win our community to Christ if we stand together as one in unity. <coughs> I've told this story before, but it really moves me, really speaks to me. I want you to listen to it because this is very powerful. A farmer lost his two-year-old child in a cornfield one night. As night was falling and the temperature was dropping, he searched and he searched, but he could not find his little two-year-old child. He phoned several of the neighbors and they gathered at his farm to search. But he said to them, but be careful because the corn is ripe and I don't want to trample the corn. So they kind of searched around and looked as closely as they could and in between things and under things. They searched for some time, but as the temperatures dropped to below freezing, they still could not find the little boy. In a panic, the farmer eventually called them all together. He said, look, forget the corn. Let's join hands. And then together, as they join hands, they started to trample the corn. But they meticulously worked their way through the cornfield, trampling the crop. They soon found the little boy curled up in a hollow, frozen to death. And the farmer turned to the, to the men and he said, gentlemen, we should have joined hands sooner. And it really speaks to me because we are living at a moment in our nation's history when I have, we have never seen the things going on in our country that are happening now. And we need to join hands sooner because our nation is dying. Our nation is going to hell and we need to join our hands together in unity and stand together as one. Now is the time to join our hands, to talk, to walk, to work, to serve and to give together in unity for the work of the Lord in this place. Let me finish with this before we talk about the new property. Now normally if you're new here, we normally break into groups that have discussions, but we're foregoing that this week because I thought some of you might like to know what's going on. Okay, so you can, all, you can always talk afterwards. Sign of a good church is when people never go home. And we love it. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was famous for a sermon that he once preached. He proclaimed that he had a dream. You remember that? Well, I have a dream too, and I want to share it with you, and I want to paraphrase a little bit of what he said. I have a dream for our church and for each of you. Let me share this with you. I have a dream that God would place us in the center of our community. I have a dream that we would minister and care for the people of our community, that God would bring the hurting, the disillusioned, the disenfranchised to our door, and that his spirit living in us would love them back to life.
I have a dream that our people will be healed, will be set free, that marriages and broken relationships will be restored by the power of God's love in us. I have a dream that we might stand together in unity, proclaiming God's truth to this dark world that is plunging towards a Christless eternity. I have a dream that God would raise up in each of you anointed gifts and talents that we might serve the Lord together in the center of our community. I also have a dream that from this hub we might plant multiple churches around the state and the nation and find a way to impact thousands of churches and millions of people right around the world. I have a dream that we would be real people, a real community and proclaim a real God in the midst of the pain and the hopelessness of this world. And this morning, I want to invite you to join me in that dream, to make it your dream. And let's do it together because we're better together. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to give into that dream. Uh, we're going to uh, distribute some little pledge cards here. Now, if you're visiting here, don't feel obliged. This is for our folk who are, are really linked into the dream. But I'm telling you, if, I don't care if it's your first time here. If you want to join us and make a difference in the world, you are most welcome. We're going to hand out these little cards. Thank you, guys. And they've just got a name and a pledge. You can uh, uh, copy down the numbers there or, or tick a little thing there. I recognize that most of you will not carry... Who carries cash today? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't. Most of you will not carry thousands of dollars in your cash, but you may want to give that. So what we're going to ask you to do is to just fill out this little card. So just, and uh, we should have some pens there as well. But while we're doing that, while we're handing that out, and again, there's no obligation. I want to encourage you to join us. We're going to give to this. Fiona and I are going to give to this because I believe this is something we want to be involved in. So, for those of you who are not sure, let me give you uh, a little bit of an update on where we're going. Thank you, Eli. We are going here. We are moving to Short Street in Nambour. We're actually buying all of this area here. Can you up the next slide? All of this area here, okay? This is Short Street. Do you, do you know where Short Street is? Next to Long Street, next to Long Street. perhaps, yes. So we're going to meet in this building here, but we're going to own the entire, we're going to own an entire city block, folks, in downtown Nambour. We're finalizing loans as we speak at the moment, and I hope to be able to announce that we are going unconditional on the contract in the next few weeks. We, and, and when we do, I will be able to share with you the dates that we will actually be able to move and get this thing going. Please don't come to me and say, when is it happening? Because... Only God knows at this point, I'm not sure. But it depends on banks and stuff like that. But I'm hoping, by faith, I'm hoping that it's just after Easter. That's what I'm believing for. If you haven't heard the news, as I said before, Lily House is purchasing this premises and the chapel. They're about to build a beautiful new facility in the chapel, and it is going to be stunning. And uh, we are so excited that, that, um, that this beautiful premises in which we live, which is going to set Lily House up long, long, long into the future, that we're going to be able to create a home for these young ladies to, to really blossom and become something incredible. 
You may wonder why it's called Lily House, because years ago, God gave one of our team a vision of a lily, which is a, a, a little plant. You've seen them in the, in the ponds and stuff. It pushes through the muck and the mire of life. It gets to the top and it opens up and becomes something beautiful. And that's our vision for these young ladies, that they will push through all the stuff they've been through and that would, they would open up and become something beautiful for the Lord. So that's what's happening here. For the church itself, we are moving into this particular property here. It enables us to buy seven shops and nine offices right in the center of Nambour. Two of the shops will become our new church premises. So I want to invite you to, to pray and to listen and to ask God what you should give to this great dream. I believe he is shaping it for Ignite. Now, I'm very excited because not initially... But one day we'll have very nice toilets. I know I've talked about this before, but I don't like those toilets very much. I'm, I want to see good toilets. I know it sounds petty, but it's just a thing I've got. So we're going to have great toilets. We're going to uh, have seating initially for 150 people. And we are limiting it to 150 so that council will approve the appropriate number of car parks. Once that has been, the material change of use has been passed by council, we're allowed to do whatever we like within the footprint of those shops. But initially, we have to set it up for 150 people. So uh, it's got all these things. It's got parking right out the front. Uh, council has told us they will approve us, pending us putting in a car park. It's walk to public transport. Tenants pay the mortgage. You get to that later. 300 square metres is easily seen and found. And uh, it's exciting. It's really exciting. So let me show you as far as we've got on this and what it looks like. Thank you, Eli. This is what it looks like right now. The two shops in which we're going to meet look like this. With two floor levels, we don't know why, um, but it has two floor levels, and then a whole bunch of walls in there. So if you were to walk in there, you'd go, well, this is pretty unimpressive. You'll fit about 20 people because all it is is walls. And so we're going to uh, get anointed with a sledgehammer and go in there and just demolish. Not all the walls. There are poles in here we've got to keep. Something about the roof standing up or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> now, the quickest way for us to get it. So let me show you. This is what it is right at the moment. And Tanya's been designing this. And, and kudos to her. She's an awesome designer. But this is what it's going to look like when we first move in. Okay, this is the quickest, fastest way to do it. Next slide, thank you. We're going to convert the, the raised area into a stage. We're going to have toilets, toilets, yay, <laughs> across here. Um, kitchenette, a mum's room. We're going to have seating out here for 150 people. That's roughly what it's going to look like when we start. Then we kind of have a vision that as we go along, it might look a bit more like this where we'll move the stage, lower the floor, a whole bunch of stuff there, and be able to have it around like that. So does that look exciting? How many of you are counting those seats? <laughs> Not many of you. Now, here's what we think it might look like when you pull up on Short Street. That's what we're envisaging. We think it would look like that. We want to call it the Ignite Centre. Um, we've got a new logo here, a new, um, so we're call, calling ourselves Updated, thank you, um, that Zonia's designed, Ignite Church, real people, real community, real God. That's what we're about. 
Real people, real community, and real God. So when you pull up, that's what we're hoping the front would look like, only better. Because it won't have me in the front, but there you go. So what I want to do is to ask you to join us in the dream. There are three practical things that you can do right now to help us. Number one, pray. We need favor with... um, Thanks, Eli. Thank you. We need favor with banks, with council, and with the people of Nambour. So pray for the Lord to open doors that no man can shut. It's not an accident that we're moving right into the hub of the community. People are needy. We'll be right in the middle of that. Who's excited? It's a great place to be. So please pray. We can't do anything without praying. The second thing is help. We're going to need help to move stuff, clean stuff, renovate stuff. Um, I'm guessing painting, wiring, building, demolishing. I don't know much about building, but I just don't want to be looking at walls. Um, So if you can't do it yourself, encourage people who can. Sue's already offered me a sledgehammer, which is lovely. Where, where is she? Over here. She offered me a sled. She said, I can't use it, but I can offer it to you. I said, okay, helpful. Good. Um, in the coming weeks, I hope to give you some dates where we can actually swing this into action. And uh, don't forget, we also have an upstairs section on the, on the far side as well. And the upstairs section will, will incorporate a number of offices up there. So I can envisage us uh, having... You know, Bible college up there and having meetings up there and all that sort of stuff. And, of course, the kids and the youth will be up there. So you can, you can pray, you can help, and you can give. So I'm going to ask you to join us in this great and noble endeavor. God has blessed each of our lives so much. And I, for one, want to give back to him generously and bountifully, just as he's given to us. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to ask God how much you should give. That's all I ask. Just ask God and be obedient. So why don't you pray? And as you're, as you're praying into this, just uh, fill out that form. We'll collect them up. That'll be it. And then you can uh, deposit the money during the week. But I want to encourage you to be a part of it because I believe God is in this. We are part of something incredible that the Lord is doing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you give us. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that it is to be your children. And right now, Lord God, I just pray that you would open our hearts and speak to our hearts of how we should give and contribute to this great endeavor. Lord, I pray that you would uh, encourage us to be generous givers, to be faith-filled givers, to be people who trust you and not in, in riches and wealth. So, Lord, out of the blessings that you've given us, our homes, our cars, our families, Lord God, out of these incredible abundances that you've poured on our life, Lord. Just ask that you will speak to us as to how much we should give and we will obey. In Jesus' name.